Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 19th of September 2010, entitled, A God of Wonders. And the Bible readings are taken from Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 to 11, and chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles for our scripture reading this morning, the Old Testament book of Joshua. I'd like for us to read, first of all, from Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. And then we want to turn over to chapter 3 and read verses 1 through 5 there. So I invite you to stand with me to honor the reading of God's holy word beginning in Joshua chapter 1, 1. The word of God says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all the people, to the land which I give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the host, and command the people, saying, Prepare your victuals, for within three days ye shall pass over this Jordan, to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God hath given you to possess it. Now in chapter 3, reading just the first five verses, And Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host. And they commanded the people, saying, When ye see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that ye may know the way by which ye must go, 
For ye have not passed this way heretofore. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Father, we thank you today for this privilege once again, not only of being in your house, but Lord, of having your word that you have preserved and left for us, of having your spirit that lives within that you have promised will take this word, will make it alive, will take it, Lord, and help it to find a true resting place within our very beings. Father, we pray that you would do that today through the power of thy spirit. Lord, not what we can say, but what you would say to us. In Christ's precious and holy name we pray, amen and amen. I want to speak to you today on the simple thought, and guess what? No, it's not on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to talk to the Lord about that. The problem is not having, not having enough. As a matter of fact, I spent a lot of time working on that sermon. The truth is, is that it's so much. I said, Lord, I can't do a whole series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We've been, of course, speaking for some time. This will be our 50th in the series on contending for the faith. And as we began dealing with the Holy Spirit, and we've looked at many things pertaining to it, our next thought was to look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Next Sunday's Harvest Thanksgiving, so God willing, uh, the first Sunday in October, we get back to that series. Uh, but I'm sure this is where the Lord has directed us this morning. And you'll probably thank me when we get there, because right now what I'm trying to do is narrow that one down to where that we don't end up with, uh, uh, with, with several sermons uh, running on, on, on that subject. But we want to look at the simple thought today of a God of wonders, a God of wonders. Notice what Joshua said to the people there in chapter 3 and verse 5, and Joshua said unto the people, sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. You know, we serve a God of wonders, a God that can do things that are beyond our imagination. Look with me also, if you would, into the book of the Psalms, the 77th Psalm. Notice what the Word of God says here in the 77th Psalm, verses 10 through 15. He says, And I said, This is my infirmity, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember the wonders of old. I will meditate also of all thy work and talk of thy doings. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary, who is so great a God as our God. Thou art the God that doest wonders. Thou hast declared thy strength among the people. Thou hast with thine arm redeemed thy people the sons of Jacob and Joseph. Look with me also, if you would, into the New Testament, the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 6. Notice what the Word of God says in verses 7 and 8 of Acts chapter 6. And the Word of God increased. And the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles 
among the people. In Acts, in that same chapter, in chapter 6, notice down in verses 9 through 15, Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines, and the Cyrenians, and the Alexandrians, and of them the Cilicia, and of Asia, disputing with Stephen. They were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. Then they suborned men which said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came upon them and caught them and brought them to the council and set up false witnesses which said, This man ceaseth not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. We have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered us. And all that sat in the council looked steadfastly on him, saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. And of course, we can continue with the wonderful account of Stephen. What I want you to recognize before we begin is this. You know, if you're a child of God and you know God personally, then there should be a desire within your heart to see a God do wonders, to see God do things that are only accredited to Him, that you nor any human being can take credit for. Now, I know many times that we fear away, and we will be looking when we get to, to, to speaking on the gifts of the Holy Spirit that, yes, we believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but we also recognize that God had some very special things going on during the apostolic era in the founding of the church, while the Word of God was still being written. But we have His Word now. But it's still God. He's the only one that has the power to take this work and to accomplish the work with it that only He can accomplish. We still serve a God of wonders. And God will. Moses said, sanctify yourself. Set yourselves apart that God might do wonders amongst you tomorrow. We see with Stephen, God was using Stephen, and there was wonders that were taking place that you'd think would just make everybody happy and great. But what happened? It didn't please a lot of people when God was working in the midst. Matter of fact, they brought him in, and they couldn't find anything wrong with him, so they just started making up false accusations, just like they did with the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And they set up these false accusations against him, that the work of God might be stopped. Folks, don't think that everybody will be excited when God begins to do a work, whether it's through you or through the church, through us as a body. The simple truth is it won't please everybody. I want you to realize, you know, we live in exciting days. God has you. You've heard me preach it before. God has you right here. In this time, when you're living for a specific purpose and a reason, you're living now, not 50 years ago, not 100 years ago, not 1,000 years ago, not 100 years in the future. The simple truth is God has you here, and He has you here now. Are you seeing many of the obstacles? We hear a lot of talk about it. There are plenty of obstacles about. We see sinfulness that is rising so much. We see so much around us that seems to be going contrary. We see a, a falling away from those that are faithfully serving God many times. But what about the opportunities? 
Do you recognize the opportunities that we have to work for God, to serve God, to see God do wonders in our midst today that nobody ever has in history before? You've heard me tell the illustration of the shoe company that wanted to expand to the continent of Africa. And, you know, they were a big company, and they had all these salesmen. And so the, the owner of the company, he called in the, the first salesman, and he told him, that, look, we want to expand. We want to go to such and such country in, in Africa, and we want to, to open up our shoe stores there. And this salesman looked at him and said, you've got to be crazy here. In Africa? He said, don't you know nobody wears shoes in Africa? They're all barefoot. He said, I don't want to go there. He calls in the next salesman. And he tells them about his, his vision to, to expand into Africa, to, to open up their shoe stores there. And this salesman's eyes get real big. And he says, wow, what an opportunity. Do you realize that hardly anybody has shoes in Africa? Why, look at the market that we've got there. Look at what we can do. Exactly the same scenario before both of them, but a totally, completely different outlook. You see, we can look around the world today, and yes, we see such sinfulness that sometimes it, it just breaks our heart. We see the rise in abortion and murder and homosexuality and all these things that the world wants us just to accept as an alternative lifestyle. It is an alternative lifestyle. It is a sinful lifestyle. We see things being accepted, folks. We love every one of those people. And there is absolutely nothing that any human being has ever done that can't get forgiveness at the foot of the cross. We know that the Bible only speaks of one unforgivable sin. That's the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, blaspheming against God. And, of course, if you're here today, the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart, allowing you to see God's Word. You have the opportunity. I don't care what you've done in your past. God will forgive you for it. But as we look at down in our lifetime, how many of us thought that we would see that iron curtain, that wall come crumbling down in Germany and see Eastern Europe open up to the gospel like we have just in recent years while we've been alive? What about the technology? You know, it's mind-boggling to me. I mean, not just back from when I was a kid, but even as an adult. Even what has happened to technology. <laughs> you can't buy technology today in two years from now and not be completely outdated almost. Look at the opportunities that we have at our fingertips to be able to, to get the gospel, to get the, the good news of Jesus Christ to this world that generations before us never had. You better believe the world's going to use it for bad. We need to be using it for good. We've got tremendous opportunities out there. The teaching tools that are available. Oh, yeah. You've got to be careful. There is a lot of rubbish on the TV, on the radio, on the Internet. A lot of rubbish out there. And you need to be careful. But there's also teaching tools that in the past that people wouldn't have been able to afford it to go out and, and bought all those books to fill a library. But they're right there at their fingertips, readily available to use. You find that you and I, folks, have seen the fulfillment of prophecy right before our eyes. I 
believe with every breath within me. I believe as sure as I'm standing here today that the return of the Lord Jesus Christ is so imminent, is so soon. There is absolutely nothing in Scripture that must be fulfilled before that trumpet sounds and our Lord returns for His church. Nothing that must be done that can't be fulfilled during the tribulation period prior to Him setting up His kingdom upon this earth. Folks, we've seen things happen before our eyes that we would look at Scripture and we'd say, well, how could this ever be? How could there be a one-world church? How could there be one, one government? How could the Antichrist possibly do all these things? And yet, we've seen in our lifetime things happen to where we can't understand. We can't understand as we look about us today. When we find that, yes, folks, I love everybody out there, whatever religion, whatever place that they come from on this planet, and every one of them ought to have the right to worship God in, in the way that they want. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that we throw down the truth, that we throw away the truth, that we compromise the truth in order to come together in one faith. We see that happening so readily before our eyes. We see how so readily that a, that a cashless society could be. I'm saying, look around. Yes, we see these things. Don't let them frighten you. Recognize it is a wonderful time to be alive. The trumpet may sound before that we leave here today. You can be called away in the rapture. It's an exciting time, and we have more possibilities at our fingertips to accomplish the work of God, to let God use us, to use these things for His glory in any generation in history. Don't get stuck on the obstacles. Don't get stuck on all the negative. Yes, we want to do something about it. Look at the opportunities. Look at what God wants to do. Sometimes it's too easy to get comfortable with things just the way they are, the way they've kind of always been. Sometimes we need God to grab us and shake us a little bit. We need Him to, to wake us up, to, to get us out of our rut, even as Christians. Of course, sometimes it can be a bit awkward to get out of a rut. I remember, I remember back in the 70s, when I was still a soldier, and I was stationed in Spain. And of course, Spain was a lot different 35 years ago than it is now. A lot of those cars were just coming on the road. None of those lorries had weight limits on them. And I mean, they used to get out there, and they would have everything on there that could possibly be on there. And that thing would be chugging along just barely. But the thing was, is you get out there on what we would consider our motorways, their main thoroughfares. Man, there were these ruts where these, these lorries were so weighted down with no weight limits, they would literally leave ruts in the pavement as they traveled. You come along there in a car then, and man, you, you, you drop into that rut, and you go shooting out of it, and if you weren't careful, it'd try to shoot you all the way to the, to the other side of the road. Coming out of the rut could be difficult sometimes. The easiest thing is just to get in the rut and to sit there and just go along with it. And of course, so many times in our lives, that's what we want to do. We're afraid to get out of the rut. It's easiest just to kind of follow the rut, to follow the path where those who have gone before us have gone. Sometimes we need to get out. I'm saying God still wants to do great things. God wants to do wonders among us. Sometimes we're afraid because, yes, there's a, there's a lot of false junk out there. There's a lot of people that are involved in all their ecstasy and their stuff that they whip up and their emotionalism that is nothing except external entertainment. 
We don't need to be entertained in the churches. We don't need to come here to, to somehow just to, uh, to be made to feel happy about ourselves and everything around us. We need God to speak to us. We need God to, to change our lives, to do something with us, to make us more like the Savior. Find that that's not what feels natural a lot of times. The real question is, do you really believe that God wants to do wonders? Just because there are many that have, have abused many of the things of God and made light of it and destroyed people's lives with it. Does that mean that we turn away? Do we not believe that God still wants to do wonders amongst us? That God wants to do things that can only bring glory to Him? I believe that that's the God that we serve. I believe that even now in the 21st century that He's still a God of wonders, that He wants to do a work amongst us, and that we ought to be an excited people and we ought to look at the opportunities that we've got and believe that God really can and will do wonders amongst us. I want to give you some very quick principles here this morning. Notice in our account here in Joshua that if we want to see great things, we want to see God do great things amongst us. Folks, great things come through divine direction. Brother Chris touched on this much this morning in the adult Bible study hour. You know, the fact is, is that we've got to be willing to do it God's way. We've got to be willing to follow God's directives, and I'm getting ready to sneeze, and I know it's coming. I'm trying to avoid it. <laughs> we find that it was the same with Joshua. In Joshua chapter 1, notice that there in verse 1 and 2, now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Joshua didn't just take off on his own because he thought it was a good idea or because he thought that was the opportunity that was there. You see, he had direction from God. Across that Jordan laid the promised land, laid Canaan land, if you would. Forty years, they had been wandering in the wilderness. Why? One word. What is it? Unbelief, the Bible says. They'd been wandering around in that wilderness because of their lack of faith, because they did not believe God. We find that he said there in verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. God's way. God's way. That's the only way. Directions are given for a reason so that they can be acted upon. God had some unfinished business that he was directing Joshua to take care of. The promise had been made to Moses, but that promise had not been fulfilled because of the unbelief of the people. I'm saying to you today, do we want to see great wonders? Do we want to see God do great things? 
then I'm saying, first of all, I'm not talking about just getting out here and doing something for the sake of doing it, no matter how good that it may seem. I'm saying that great things come through divine direction, through God's direction, through what God wants to be doing with us. And secondly, not only through divine direction, but great things come through decisive obedience. One thing to get the directions, you touched on this this morning too, Brother Chris. You know, we have to train our children. We have to discipline our children. We have to teach our children, train them to be obedient to that which we direct them to. <clears throat> Sometimes God's got to correct us, and discipline us, and chasten us because we need to learn to be obedient. When God gives the directions, doesn't matter what wonderful can lay. I mean, these, these directions were first given to Moses. They were there. The people never saw it because of their unbelief. Now he's talking to Joshua. They're there. God has told him that it's there. God's told him this is what he wants. But folks, unless Joshua acts upon it, they're never going to get there. We must have divine direction. We must have God's direction. But I'm saying today, God has given us directives. He's given us direction. There's many things. We don't have to set back. You don't have to ask God today if it's God's will for you to be a child of God. He says it's not His will that any should perish. It is most certainly God's will for you to be saved. You don't have to ask God, Brother Lynn, if it's His will for you to be a soul winner. For you to tell others about Jesus Christ. He's already told you that's his will. He's already told you that's his direction. I'm saying God has given us divine direction in many areas that we already know just by going to the book where the directives are written down and listening to what God has to say to us. But there needs to be, somebody needs to decide a decisive obedience. Are we going to obey God with our lives? Are we going to do what God wants to do. You see, we've got the stories, and I don't have time to go there, but David and Joab, when David was looking for leadership, he looked for decisiveness. In Second Chronicles eleven six, it says, Whosoever smiteth the Jebusites first shall be chief and captain. Most of them were still looking around trying to scratch their heads and figure out what needs to be done and what ought to be done and what to do and what would happen. Man, Joab jumped up and got the job done. He went out, he defeated the Jebusites, and he became David's chief, his captain. Why? Because he was decisive. Once he'd been given the directive of what needed to be done, David said, whoever does that, that's what's going to be. And he went and got it done. Find that notice in the book of Isaiah, chapter 6. Notice what it says in Isaiah, chapter 6, and verse 8. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for me? Then said I, Here am I. Send me. I believe with all my heart today, God's saying, Who's willing to go for me? Who is willing to go for me? We need some folks just like Isaiah to stand up and say, I will, Lord. I'll go wherever you want me to go. You see, once Isaiah knew what God wanted, 
He had to take a little bit of initiative. He had to be decisive, and he did, and God used him. God's the one that took the initiative that you could become a child of God. In Romans chapter 5 and in verse 8, the Word of God says this. It says, but God commendeth his love toward us. Now, who commended whose love towards who? God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. See, God took the initiative. Jesus Christ went and died on the cross 2,000 years, approximately before you were even born, so that you could be saved, so that you could have eternal life. If God had just left us alone, would everyone be headed straight to hell? Would everyone be facing the wages of sin, which is death? One day all of death will be cast into the lake of fire. <laughs> you see, the Christian life, soul winning, having a part in, you know, Jesus promised that he would build his church. But we know from New Testament principles, folks, it's his will for you to be a part of a church where you can serve God, where you can worship him, where you can be part of a body, where your gifts can be used for the whole, that he can be glorified. There is a supernatural power that is beyond human power that will work through us. But you know what? For our part, sometimes it's just going to be obedience and downright hard work, getting on with what God has told us to do. God will do his part. There is absolutely no question whatsoever. You don't have to worry about him falling slack anywhere. In John chapter 9 and in verse 4, the Word of God tells us, Jesus himself speaking these words, I must, what's the next work in your word in your Bible? <laughs> work. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. You think if Jesus said he needed to do the work while it was day, that you and I might possibly need to do a bit of work? We need to get busy about the Lord's business. You know, we live in an instant society. We have instant food. We just throw it in the microwave. We nuke it, and bang, it's there. It's ready to eat. Sometimes we don't even have to do that. We just go through the instant drive throughs and they pile it into us, and we eat all that very healthy food. We're used to instant everything. The problem is sometimes we, we want instant churches. We want instant souls. We want instant lifestyles. I heard one preacher, and I didn't make a note, who said it one time, says, there will be no Pentecost without Pentecost. There will be no Pentecost without Pentecost. You see, sometimes we just want to sit back and all of it just happened. That's not what the Word of God teaches us. God has some unfinished business today. I believe he's looking for some decisive people just like Joshua today to take some initiative to do what he's directed us to do just as Joshua did. 
He told us in Mark 16, 15. Matter of fact, he told us in every one of the Gospels as well as the book of Acts. And it's reiterated throughout the, the epistles. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Don't have to ask him. You've already been given a directive. If he hasn't told you to go somewhere else, you've been told to do it right where you are. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, he says. We need to be decisive. I heard somebody say one day, we need to put the go back in gospel. We're to go with the gospel. We're to take it to every human being that we possibly can. What is it, over 6 billion people on planet Earth now? Something like 100 people dying every minute. 144,000 going into eternity every day. That's over 52 million people every year going into eternity. If God tarried, then worked out that in less than 200 years, the population of the world right now would be doubled again. You see, many times, heard me say before, yes, we're probably more in Acts 17 than Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, Peter was preaching to a people that had, for the most part, they'd been taught God's Word. They had a respect for God. They were looking for a Messiah. 3,000 of them were saved. The Apostle Paul, when he got to Mars Hill in Athens, when they knew nothing about his God, most of the society around us today, they know nothing or very little about our God. We've got to go back to creation just as he did, the one that's put them here, the one that they're accountable to. Most of them don't even know what sin is. You explain it to them. Said by one preacher, this idea that we have to hold on for the rapture. Hold on and hang on just so that you'll be ready when it comes. He said that would give an aspirin a headache. It would make a tranquilizer have a nervous breakdown. You see, instead of holding on, we need to be reproducing ourselves. We need to be mobilizing an army, the Bible says. We need to be excited about Christ and wanting to serve Him. We need to be going out and literally taking the enemy on. I remember in school, I, yeah, I know I was in a little better shape than I am now. I loved athletics. I loved sports. I mean, I played baseball and basketball and, you know, that what they call that American football game that you get out there and try to smear each other into the ground. And I love those things. I can tell you something. I learned something out. Each one in their own way has its type of defensive play as well as offensive. But they used to always tell us that the best defense is a good offense. The best defense is a good offense. You don't go out there and just with the idea that you're just going to kind of hang around and let whatever happens, happens. And when you go out there, you go out there to win. I mean, that's why you're out there. And yes, I know it's fun to play, but you still want to win. You want your team to win. You go out there with the Apostle Paul. In numerous places, I should say in numerous places or numbers of places, <laughs> in the New Testament, 
He compares our Christian walk and our Christian life with these ideas of athletics. You see, folks, I'm saying that God's given us directives. Do we want to see God do wonders amongst us? It's not going to happen by just sitting back and doing nothing and waiting for it to happen. We need divine directives. We need to do what God wants us to do. Today, we need very much some decisive obedience. Decide to do what God has told us to do. To Joshua, he said, arise, go over this Jordan. To you and I, besides of others, if we'll just grasp this one, he's told us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We want to see great wonders today. It's going to come through divine direction. It's going to come through decisive obedience, and it's going to come to those who are directly dependent. Notice what he said there in verse 2 that we read. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people. Notice the next words. Unto the land which I, God, do give to them. To the land that I, do give to them. God's patient. God's merciful in His grace. For 40 years, they were in the wilderness while God had the gift for them right there all the time. Because of unbelief, they couldn't reach out. They couldn't take it. They depended on their own strength. They had depended on themselves to overcome the obstacles, although God had to keep intervening. God had to keep doing it for them. They should have just depended on God and took Him for His Word. Sometimes, sometimes one of the biggest problems for us is just trusting Him. Maybe because you don't feel like you deserve His help. Well, guess what? You don't, and you never will. But you didn't deserve to be saved, but God saved you anyway. You'll never deserve His help. But boy, God's grace is big. And God wants to help you. God wants to accomplish His work. We find that, look in the New Testament, the Second Corinthians. Notice the Apostle Paul in writing to the church at Corinth, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Notice what he says in verse 5. He says, Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything is of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. None of us are sufficient within ourselves. Notice in the very next chapter, chapter 4, notice what he says beginning in verse 5. Paul said, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. He says, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We feel so proud of ourselves sometimes. What a good Christian thing we're doing. 
I'm saying that if we want to see God do great wonders, do great things amongst us, then today it's only going to come through His divine direction and it's going to come through our decisive obedience and it's going to come to those that are directly dependent upon Him and not themselves. There's so many things that we could look at. Great things will come to those that are dependent upon God. I made a note. God doesn't have to have you, but he loves you and wants to use you. God doesn't have to have you to do his work, but he loves you and he wants to use you. He said to Joshua here, Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. Sometimes our horizons need to be expanded. It's only through the Lord. It's only through the Lord here that the land could be possessed. It's only through the Lord that souls will be saved. It's only through the Lord that a church, a true church, the church that Jesus Christ himself is building, only through him can a church be built. Only through him can his work be accomplished God didn't save us, folks, just to sit down and wait it out. He saved us to get up and go tell somebody else. The winning horse jockey, always winning, always winning. And just before that he'd go out of the gate, he'd always reach down and he would whisper something in the horse's ear. But nobody knew what this jockey was telling that horse. But I'll guarantee you, as soon as that gate opened, he was the first out the gate to the finish line. What do you whisper? What are you telling that horse that keep asking? Just a poem, he said. What kind of poem? What is it? He said, just that roses are red, violets are blue. Horses that lose are turned into glue. <laughs> I don't think God's going to turn you into glue. The simple truth is, God wants us to win. God wants our life to account for something, not just to be the leftovers, not just to be used for nothing. Too many Christians today have lost their reason, have lost their purpose for existing. The Gospel of John chapter 4 and in verse 35, the Word of God says, Say not ye, there are yet four months and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Don't say I'm going to do it later. Don't say that there's a better time. He's saying now is the time. Today is the day. Now the harvest is ready. God has given us the world. Yes, there are enemies. Yes, there are giants out there but he's promised to give us the increase. We can choose to wander in the wilderness 
but we can choose to cross over Jordan and live in Canaan land. See, some people, I think, incorrectly misinterpret Canaan land as heaven. <laughs> Folks, there ain't no giants and battles to be fought in heaven. <laughs> Canaan land is where you need, where God wants you in His promised place in this life. We find that in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we've said many times, and that command is given there. After the Holy Ghost was come, ye shall be witnesses unto me. What's the next word? Both. Both in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and into the othermost part of the earth. What does both mean? Simultaneously, at the same time. It's not a question of here or there. We're to be a witness everything that we possibly can to everybody upon planet earth. We need to be involved in soul winning right now, right here, where we are, as well as doing all that we can that souls can be won to the farthest reaches of this globe. God has given us the world as our field to reach it with the gospel. From Adam and Eve to the year 1,800, 1,800 years, Estimated that the total number of people that lived was less than 4 billion. Right now, that was 1,800 years, everybody that lived. Right now, there's over 6 billion alive on earth at one time in this one year. We could freeze the population. Now, actually, I think that my research is correct. I can believe Wikipedia. The population of China right now. I chose China because that's, that's one nation, but it's the most populated one nation in the world. Right now, population of China is supposed to be something like 1.3 billion people. That's like one in a third billion, a billion, 1,000 million. That's a lot of people. Well, to make it easier for me and you, hopefully, I can give you the figures both ways, but I backed it down to just, just 1 billion. Let's just say that it was froze at one billion instead of the one and a third billion that's there. And if we stop and thought for a minute, now, how many of us would be excited to see Pentecost take place right here today? 3,000 people get saved, praise God. But not just today, but next Sunday and the Sunday after. But let's not do that. I mean, man, this is getting exciting. Let's say that Pentecost started taking place every day. I mean, every day we could come together, and every day 3,000 souls would be saved, and 3,000 souls would be saved. Who wouldn't get excited to be a part of something like that? How wonderful that it would be. But you know what? At that rate, 3,000 souls being saved every day of the week it would only take us almost a 1,000 years, 913 years plus something to be exact, just to reach the people of China. Pentecost every day. That was if the population was froze. In actual fact, at the 1.3 million, it comes to something almost 1,200 years to reach that one nation of people. With Pentecost taking place every day of the week, on the other hand, that's not what God said that he wanted. 
God said that he wanted one person to go out and reach another person and to teach that person to win another person. Now, if we did it that way, it's interesting because if we did it that way, that same nation with Pentecost taking place every day, taking over 900 years, if each of us would win one, and each day that one would just win one more and teach them, it would only take us 31 days to reach them all. 31 days compared to over 900 years. And if we only did it one a week, we could only win one person a week, take us seven months. We were really slack. If each of us as a Christian were only winning one person a year, Discipling and teaching that one to win one more a year. You still accomplish it in 30 years rather than 900. You see, God has given us directives, and it's so important the way that God has given it to us. We need to know and believe His divine direction. Is it important for you as an individual to be a soul winner, to be going, to be giving the gospel to every creature that you can? Folks, that's the only way that men and women and boys and girls will ever come to Christ is when each and every one of us will take his directive seriously and will be decisive about it. Get out and do something about it. Get out and do what God has asked us to do. You see, God wants us to be busy for Him. God has given us a very, very simple directive. If we were only willing to follow through with it, if we were only willing to follow His directions, to be decisive about it, and to be dependent upon Him, I've got a few other things. Maybe we'll do those tonight instead of the other message I had planned, but we're going to stop there this morning. Time is gone. I want us to realize, folks, we still serve the same God. He's a God of wonders. The most wonderful thing He ever did for you is when He saved your soul. And God has given you a directive. That's to go with the gospel, to win others to Christ. I want to ask you something this morning. First of all, do you know without a shadow of a doubt that you're saved, that you're on your way to heaven, that you belong to God? And if you do, how serious are you taking His command to win the lost? Are you sitting back just waiting for it to happen? Are you doing the mechanical things? God has commanded that you go with the gospel. Try to reach. Folks, that's the only way people are going to be saved is when we begin to take his directives seriously, when we will be decisive. You see, God gave Joshua his marching orders. Joshua had to decide that he was going to follow God's directives. And Joshua was going to have to be totally dependent 
from God. We'll look at a few other things. And God honors, and God will honor, and God will bless. Do we realize the opportunities that are around us? Will we take those opportunities to let God genuinely, truly do something with our lives? It might be in your neighborhood. It might be the neighbors that live next door. Maybe in your school, the other students that are there with you. Maybe on your job where you work every day of the week. Folks, you meet people every day. But are we genuinely seeking to win them? I'm saying, you see, I want to see God do wonders. I want to see God do great things. You know what? God can accomplish far more than he did at Pentecost, as great and wonderful as that was. God will still accomplish wonders through your life through this church, we've got to be willing. We've got to be willing. Follow his directives decisively. Depend upon him to do that which he's promised to do. He'll do it for you. Father, we thank you for this morning, the time that we've had. Lord, these are exciting days that we live in. I pray that you'd help each one here this morning to grasp the idea Yes, there's much that we could be discouraged about. There's much that we could be downtrodden over. God, you're a, a God of wonders. And Lord, you still want to do wonderful things through us today. But Lord, I pray that you'd help us. I pray that you'd help us, Lord. That we'd know your direction. That we'd be decisive to obey you and what you want of us that we would dare to be dependent upon you completely and totally. You know the hearts of each one today. And Lord, through the simplicity of this message as we've looked at Joshua, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. In Christ's precious name we pray. Amen. Amen.